Welcome to the Pain Podcast, presented by Le Peuple Scientifique. We are thrilled to bring you a platform that unites clinicians, researchers, and pain advocates in sharing a pursuit, understanding pain. In this series of podcasts, we aim to bridge the gap between scientific knowledge and practical applications in the field of pain. Our episodes will feature insightful discussions with leading experts, exploring the latest research findings, innovative treatments and emerging trends in the realm of pain. Whether you are a healthcare professional seeking evidence-based practices, a researcher diving into the depths of the pain mechanisms, or a dedicated advocate striving to improve the lives of individuals in pain, you are welcome. Check out our website, get confident and competent in treating pain. Start today. This is Le Pup Scientifique's The Pain Podcast. Welcome. My name is Bart van Buchem. I'm a pain specialist physiotherapist, and this is a very special episode. An annual one with uh, my dear friend, Tim Beams. Lessons learned in 2023. We are heading to the end of the year, and uh, this will be a good opportunity to reflect on some of our science sessions and coaching sessions we've had over the past. And Tim was hosting those sessions and we love to share our thoughts. So, so Tim, this could be a nice opportunity for ourselves and we're just sharing it, I guess. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, I, I mean, um, yeah, it's nice to be on the podcast and interviewed by you. Um, and we've just been running through what's happened over the last year. It's a huge year. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, uh, we probably needed to give ourselves a, a few more hours to um, to just really process what's gone on. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. So, so maybe for the listeners who've been on the podcast for a while and and, and um, probably uh, or maybe not knowing about these sessions. So we do have uh, a section in our um, program that's um, that requires you to sign up. And um, it's a paid um, subscription, obviously, and but we do deliver. <laughs> and what we've done so far is that there will be annual um, um, science sessions with some people who've presenting their their work and open for discussion. And we've had a whole range of coaching sessions that will help you to be more confident and more competent in your treatment of pain or people in pain. And we found these sessions amazingly and very, very important to ourselves. And that's what we think we do with the pup, right? Um, personal development in, in the context of pain treatment and in your work, uh, not a huge focus on knowledge development, but more on reflection, discussion, and the, the tricky bits of the reality of the clinic. So um, and maybe that's where we start. So, so what, what? just to start here, because we can just, well, I, I guess we can just go straight into one of these sessions uh, you've been hosting. And, and what, what, which one springs to your mind, Tim, that was very helpful? I think I, I actually think that I've taken something from each session and um, I'm quite like it, it's interesting now because we set up the pub to learn. We wanted to learn. So my wife and I and uh, a friend of ours, Danny, set up the pub originally 
because we'd finished our masters a few years before that in pain and we wanted somewhere to go and and continue our and continue that journey and um and this is i think this year has been actually one of the most transformative years for me as a clinician i would say that how i'm working now has been really um influenced by the the time that i have with the speakers uh, so i feel really privileged i feel really honored to do it you know it's, it's actually you know it's not just great fun and it's certainly not onerous it doesn't feel like a job um it feels like i'm getting exactly what i wanted to get from from the original sort of inception of conception of what uh le pub was so yeah i've got a little bit of something from everybody do you know what the th the first thing that springs to mind is I, I was running a group yesterday it's a male pelvic pain group and we were talking about um fight and flight <laughs> and uh, it was something that someone brought up they were talking about balance homeostasis fight and flight and and um, one of the things that I've been using fairly recently, and I've actually stolen this from one of the science session speakers was Jessica Eccles. So she was um, presenting on neurodivergence and pain. And what I stole was the notion that actually, that someone who is neurodivergent, there are elements of them having a superpower like the ability to be able to notice difference in your world actually shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. And, and we had this, we had a really, really rich discussion, the, the men, um, instead of seeing them and their stress systems being out of balance as all bad, which is often so often the case, isn't it? Like pain is bad, inflammation is bad. You, you know, what's going on in my life is bad. Like this, <laughs> this is so easy, isn't it, to find bad stuff and flipping that around was was a you could see in people and the feedback that they had of the session was oh wow so actually you know there is some good out of this and and i thank jessica for that literal phrase superpower because i've been using it with people straight afterwards and so <laughs> yeah i i like that it's flipped me and my thinking and my beliefs and and i think a huge part of that is that as the clinician in front of someone you know the strength of conviction the strength of belief that you hold whether you share it like knowingly like through work like you have that in your persona as well in the way that you present so yeah i thank jessica for that i i feel like that was a really interesting um way of looking at difference um because mm. because it's such a huge population people who are neurodivergent within a neurodivergent population lots of people that we might see are people who have hypermobility for instance within that population as well we also in the way that she was describing it is that people also how they make sense and how they communicate what they're experiencing is very different from people who are not neurodivergent from the non-neurodivergent to the neurodivergent population and and even that just that knowledge and understanding that someone who 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 is neurodivergent actually if you're asking them to score on a pain scale that might make no sense to them
Mm. So being able to individualize it, to be able to understand, to be able to check in on them as well, um, so that you're using appropriate language, appropriate scales if you need to use scales, was uh, was some of what I took away from from her session. So she was a super passionate speaker, really great, really fun, really interesting, and immediately relevant for my clinical practice. And let, let, let's figure out. So there have been quite a few sessions, so we may need to list them there. <laughs> um, do you have a list there? Just... I've got I got some of the people. Yeah, the first. Yeah, person, yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose someone that um, shares some similarities with her session or the most um, sort of similar session was John Stone's uh, functional neurological disorder session which uh, was, I mean, again, he's phenomenal researcher, brilliant clinician, done some great work. Um, and there was a, there, yeah, there was a few take homes. Is it worth me taking, you know, listing a few things I've taken from him as well. But uh, I, I work a lot with people who have complex regional pain syndrome. And one of the interesting things for me, which I hadn't thought too deeply about actually although i see people who might have signs of dystonias and tremors and and things i you know that being able to understand better and being able to perhaps put a physical assessment into place to be able to more accurately diagnose what that is for that person was something that came out of john stone's session in fnd um, yeah uh, that, that, that definitely speaks to my mind as well as 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 whereas fnd is is only a very let's say young diagnosis as it was conversion before but it does it it, it reflecting back so that it had some similarities with pain where where pain was like a couple decades ago was trying to 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 push for acknowledgement and preventing stigma and that, the, um, that word i was going to use the stigmatism yeah around it yeah and i think it's so so on the pain part uh, the community has come to some improvement and some uh made some huge steps um and the research available and the experience available is, is has has grown immensely but i can still see and that was my reflection we're actually not not there we, we're still struggling with exactly the same things <laughs> where fnd is the community is struggling with the, the questions are the same the 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 pushback from communities and um policy makers is exactly the same um so that that made me thinking how far actually all these research and all these efforts how how far did that did we got so far and uh, is that something to worry or is it something um to be positive about so there there it, i found it a bit um challenging as well mm. and um also felt like if fnd is going to walk the same the same steps or going through the same process as the pain community has gone where would fnd will be in 20 years and will it be at where it should be and i'm not sure about that mm. um whether that will be a 
the way the the good thing and i think that 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 springs to my mind uh that i found from john stone's diagnosis as a neurologist obviously um that it's a positive diagnosis it's a positive not in a positive like it's great but it's positive as it's these signs and symptoms are very specific to this diagnosis and therefore it's has its own classification therefore it's been changing massively in 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 dsm-5 for example the psychiatry handbook is moved away from the let's say the original conversion disorder uh, uh, definition which makes it more a diagnosis actually i got this it's not because i don't have anything that else that's that is uh it's not being outruling pathology only but it's the very specific the specific the very specific um uh signs and symptoms do to give you that diagnosis and i think that's very powerful so in my clinic i can see that that's actually something that is somewhat helpful for yeah. many patients but also for policymakers and yeah. uh which is really interesting whether what yeah made me think from what what how does pain sits what pain sits there even though it's maybe too too uh, big you know yeah. <laughs> it's well that's a, it's yeah. a really that's a really good observation because you know the fact like I, the phrase i've got is it is there's it's a process of inclusion so it's a diagnosis of inclusion so you have to meet a criteria in order for you to meet that inclusion um the opposite would be exclusion so you've you've done everything you can and nothing else better explains what you experience and mm -hmm. and the phrase that i have is is it's like a waste basket <laughs> a waste bin diagnosis and something like um cpps the uh, chronic pelvic pain syndrome is like is a is a diagnosis of exclusion so you're ruling out other possible causes for someone experiencing pain so what have you got well there's nothing better that we can call it so let's just call it this that's rubbish isn't it that that is not helpful so um or it's uh, look it's not helpful for some people for, for for others yeah they can hang the hat on it and say okay right okay that that's the best way of making sense of what i'm experiencing now so f and d in a way although like you say perhaps it's still got a bit further to go than than certain areas of pain um there are some strengths to what they've developed as well yeah yeah and um i think we had james close this year is it right yeah so on the psychedelics so, so let, let's because that really triggered my beyond my ex well let's say beyond my understanding and my own paradigms on what health care could provide so uh, well, what how did you what is your feeling around yeah well, psychedelics I, I i loved it actually so it was psychedelic uh it was therapy assisted psychedelics for chronic pain i think was the title mm. and um yeah i mean it's uh, and I, i'm gonna like, i've just done a mushroom foraging course actually with a patient of mine um so he's got so much better he's able to start uh teaching again which is brilliant but a couple of the mushrooms that we found were um um hallucinogenic or psychedelic or or you know <laughs> however you would describe it so we've just had a discussion about some of that um i'm not sure i would feel comfortable or confident uh, picking them but uh, but yeah it's relevant because people are, people are exploring these things and 
I mean, there's there's a few things that I took away from the the psychedelic talk. One was very interestingly the use of um, psilocybin or, or consciousness shifting drugs, but particularly the psilocybin um, based ones, um, are super safe relative to other um, in, like uh, medications or drug use. So. You know, if you think of the adverse events uh, associated with opioids, for instance, or or you know everyday recreational things like alcohol or tobacco, um, it is way higher than than taking some um, <laughs> some magic mushrooms if you want. So that that was one thing. Um, the safety profile was quite interesting. So so at least at, at a at a theoretical level. I mean, I feel like there is there is still there's more hope out there for people in pain that things are being developed that can be safe for someone. Um, there was a few other like really important things I took away from the, the, the talk and also having read a little around it at that time is the um, ability to create the state or enhance the process of plasticity. And we often, we so often, don't we? It's like someone's stuck in pain. And it's and, and you hear, like, even in their language, I mean, you, you work with this every day. It's, I can't, um, you know, it's never going to happen. I've got this for life. You've got, you, you know, and, and they're telling you almost like what the biology is saying is that there's no possibility that things are going to change and alter. And what... What the research is saying is, is there is massive abilities to change. In fact, it, you are ripe to change. Um, and I think that is really phenomenally interesting. However, just taking drugs is not the answer. And that was the interesting thing from the talk is the need to have a therapy assisted part of that process. So open up the possibility of plasticity is it isn't enough on its own it, you, you know you can't just leave someone there because you've got to do something with it and and the idea of uh, and the way that they they use the therapy assisted process in their in their research i believe is that they have someone a guide a mentor someone who's trained obviously to take someone lead someone through the um trip or, or whatever you would call it um but create very it's very important to create a safe comfortable environment as you're doing it and anything that arises in that process um you're able to work together with it and i feel like that i came away thinking this is something that's missing from medicine at the moment if you yeah, went that would, yeah i would like you said why is this if this is a missing bit in 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 helping people going through that process of the medicine the re response for example um the psychiatric uh, sorry um pharmaceuticals that are like tricyclic antidepressants for example uh what is that what's going on there? so even opioids <laughs> it goes totally mad and crazy and wrong when things are not being understand correctly or people just taken as a passive um as a passive drug by and it's just the experience and i think that's such an interesting 
feeling. So whether does it, and I just want to just feed into that as well. When this session, James was presenting at EFIC uh, in Budapest uh, this year, and he was alongside um, a quite famous, I'm not know his name, but he was a quite heavyweight professor in um, in the field of cannabinoid, cannabis and uh, the treatment. So he was full on with like big research programs. And what struck me was the amount of research is happening at the moment that's cannabis, cannabinoids and cannabis as a as a drug for chronic pain. It's huge. Hundreds of published papers, hundreds and millions and millions of funds that goes into it. Obviously, there's some money to make um, as well. But also on this account, you would say, what does it make? What does make what does it make a successful treatment if you use cannabis as a treatment? Is it just taking the drugs or is it the process that people go through and how they've been guided by someone who knows what's going on and maybe adding that value? Yeah, that's it. And, and I just think of how many, I mean, it's, it's a sort of medicine in a historical perspective is here's a passive thing, go away, take it. If it doesn't work, you know, let's try another thing. And that's, to me, that's not, that's not work. That's not working smartly. Mm. So, so, so I really, yeah, that's something that really struck me from, from that talk. Like you said, I mean, it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be cannabis or psilocybin or whatever. Someone's prescribed opioids or tricyclic antidepressants or, or paracetamol or like to do it, but in a passive way, mm. I, I feel like we've missed something. So, so it feels like we've got, we can create more optimism, even in the drugs that have are already developed and are already available you know let's lift our expectations but by working with that person in that moment so yeah, yeah. that's really interesting well we definitely need to get back to that topic at some point from that perspective um j just to because then we just got into the science sessions and we got some some time left here um we definitely need getting this coaching so just broadly tim what was what is the the overall objective yeah. or reason why these coaching sessions are there and quite extensive because we spend a lot of time on it yeah. <laughs> and we think it's very valuable why yeah yeah so so well the first thing was um i i've always had a feeling I, i'm pretty sure you have this as well that the the and I feel like I sort of fit in this uh, place where, although I've dipped my toe into some research, I'm not a researcher. Um, I'm still very much a clinician and I'm an educator. And there's the sort of, there's a little role, isn't there, between it's a sort of clinical academic, I suppose you might call it in the UK anyway, um, that sort of straddles that, that sort of chasm <laughs> between the two. And what we wanted to do with the science sessions is bring the science back into the clinic. Um, what we wanted to do with the um, coaching sessions is we want to hear from the people who have and are working with an incredibly high level of knowledge. What are the sorts of things that they're thinking about and doing day to day with their patients? You know, how are they applying the science in their clinic? 
and um, yeah, we've had a we've had a number of people from different backgrounds, um, which I think is important to, to to say is is that we're gathering knowledge from a number of different professional backgrounds to to help build our confidence and our competence in front of our patients and and lift our expectations again. So, yeah, we've had a few people. I mean, just off the top of my head, Richmond Stace, uh, we've spent some time with um, Sharon Goulbert. So, so Richmond is a physio with a pain masters and, uh, and a, he's a coach, a pain coach. Sharon Goulbert is a cognitive hypnotherapist uh, and mentor, coach, etc. as well herself. Uh, someone also who's had a lived experiences of pain and, and long COVID. So she was being brilliant. To, in fact, just parking ourselves with Sharon, we spent quite a long time thinking about clinician well-being. And uh, because my, my belief at the moment is we have so many demands on us as clinicians that actually we are at risk of burnout. And, th and I hear that in my courses, every course, I hear how much people are struggling. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do our best. We want the best for our patients, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we have pressure put on ourselves as well from the systems that we're working with them. And, and I'm hearing this year, last year, I'm hearing this an awful lot on my courses that people are struggling. And, 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 the, the, and what we were hearing from Sharon were some beautifully helpful ways of keeping ourselves well, of checking in on ourselves, of creating appropriate boundaries with our sessions, with our patients, of reflecting on the day and noticing how things have gone well and not just all the bad stuff and, and building our knowledge in those reflective moments as well. So yeah, I, I, I actually, I've taken uh, some beautiful things from Sharon. I've used her three gifts a lot even with my patients, three gifts are looking for three gifts in the day that nourish you and make you feel great and writing them down, even creating a hierarchy. So a first place gift, a second place. And then when you get to the first place gift, noticing as you bring yourself back to that moment or you reimagine it, that notice how it feels in your body as well and stay with it. And yeah, so I take it a lot from Sharon, um, absolutely from, from, um richmond session in fact we've got a coaching a live coaching session coming up in december with richmond um sandy hilton was another one as well sandy's got phenomenal um <laughs> knowledge and uh has been working for a long time as a, a physio but she's got just such beautiful insight and ways of phrases and terms of just of creating comfort safety rapport uh with her patients as well so i've loved my sessions with with sandy and um laura rathbone is another one as well oh, i mean a there's a big long list isn't there but laura was was a former um a colleague of us with the pub and laura's she's just such a passionate wonderful soul isn't she so we were <laughs> we were we were talking about Oh wow! All sorts of all sorts of things with uh, with regard to yeah, us positioning ourselves, um, understanding our 
biases and how they influence the interactions as well. I mean, there are, there are similarities with another science session here, the cultural considerations of that Saurabh Sharma presented, because, um, you know, that was something that he was aware of how if you can ally and be more culturally sensitive with your understanding, which means checking in with someone mm. with their values and beliefs, you can create that safer, richer environment to work together. And even if you don't fully understand, you know, you don't come from the same background, you, you can do your best to align yourself better with those people. So Laura and Sarah, I felt like there were some you know, some similarities from those two sessions in what I take forward with me now. Yeah, and I, I, as they are, every single person seemed to be some kind of a role model to me because you, you may look up to them in a way. They, they might do a great job in seeing patients and then actually they are exposing themselves as vulnerable and um, not always sure <laughs> about what they think and do and also challenged by the same patients and the same situations and your own health uh, as a as a result of that or as a as a, a challenging situation now i think that was that was very in some way it, it you you wouldn't you wouldn't you would not like people to to feel uncomfortable and just but sharing that then they are sharing their experiences and it makes you feel like all right i'm not alone <laughs> i um even though you you do your best and you do can you can do the best you can but by feeling somewhat uncertain it can change to motivation that you actually actually i can do be do better mm. and i like that that no notion of uncertainty as a as a power as a as a strength where because if you don't feel that anymore this uncertainty it will not motivate you to see what's there and i think sarap for example made that that very clear you have to be curious about what's there and out there outside of your social bubble and uh, there is different language and different habits and different cultural um, needs and so on. So it, it it really enriched my thing. But but the the thing that strikes me most was that they're all showing their uncertainty, and uh, and that's what drives them. Yeah. And I think that really resonates with me. That it's okay to feel uncertain, to feel a bit of lost. And maybe in translation, but I think here with Lapup, we sort of put our heads together and uh, we seem to do a pretty good job to 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 change that feeling into something really positive. And uh, even though it's not even curable <laughs> or because you will feel that uncertainty always. And I think uh, I definitely changed my, my perspective on uncertainty. That is actually a very positive thing. And if it's if I'm losing it, I will be worried <laughs> if I don't feel uncertainty anymore. So that I find that really interesting from these coaching sessions. Um, um, and I wish everyone <laughs> that feeling um, because that's very, very liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that has, I've written a couple of words of how I would summarize what I've taken from the year, but curiosity was one of them and, and creating curiosity in, in me each time I'm with someone 
it means that I'm not forcing my agenda so much on them. You know, my beliefs aren't dictating where we're going. It's allowing that person to flourish and grow. And yeah, so to me, that was actually one of the key takeaways of the whole year is, is, you know, how to create that feeling each time anew for for everyone that we're seeing. Um, Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I noticed that I'm, I've been trying to bench watch some of these sessions and I didn't go, that didn't go down really well. So I took, I I took myself as a, as an objective just to, to do watch one a week. And actually that worked out pretty well. Uh, Get you some time, just enough. And that was, uh, that's been a debate between us at La Pop in organizing this. So how much information do you, can you handle? And uh, we have to, you have to be, careful there so if you if you um um yeah if you if you're considering going through this this program i would definitely encourage you to take time and and uh, aiming for one or one every other week um because this these conversations were so rich yeah um, but to get the best of it you probably need time because that's what we've done these sessions were not recorded as a one-off We've um, made different, uh, uh, somebody, we did different sessions. And uh, as far as I know, there were, we, we invested some time there to make sure we uh, we felt good there. And uh, yeah, really interesting how these things have evolved. Um, and I'm, we are happy to know if you have any feedback or any questions on that, you just leave us, an, leave us a message. Um, you all can find our contact details at the website, but yeah. Uh, it's I think it's lapupscientific at gmail.com. But make sure you get the EQ you and the E in the end right. And then uh we're we're happy to um to respond, obviously. Yeah. It feels like we could talk for another hour. I know it's easy, but we don't want to take your time. Like a half an hour is is just enough, uh, I reckon. And um yeah, well, I appreciate it. just as an opportunity to thank everyone um to stick with us, we've seen an, a massive increase of numbers of people uh, listening to our podcast and people signing up for our paid subscription and enjoying these coaching sessions in the pain uh, and science sessions. So, um, yes, much appreciated. That's um, and that's what we're doing for it. Absolutely, yeah. And we've got some interesting projects coming next year as well, haven't we? We're in the process of creating a uh, a template really isn't it of things that we feel would be helpful to know to be a competent and confident confident clinician so yeah come january we're hoping to release uh, uh and our new project with that as well for sure all right um thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this conversation and um we'll be back in two weeks with another podcast episode with some exciting guests around. So um, thank you again. Have a great day.